God uses your weakness. See, if you and I devise prayer, we'd pray from our pride. You know, Lord, I've got it together now. Lord, I would like you to whip everybody else in shape. <laughs> but, you know, that, that's, that's not prayer. Prayer, you pray from your weakness. And I just know in my weakness and my temptation, I can pray with compassion for people in ways I didn't even think I could fully identify with them. Hey, welcome to the Decision Point podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hobson, president of Decision Point, where our mission is to proclaim the gospel to the next generation till every student has heard. And what a joy to be with you today as we are calling a generation of young leaders to stand for Christ, live for Christ, witness for Christ, and endure hardship for his name because he is worth it all. And as we want to be leaders who live for Christ, we know that part of that means being leaders who are fueled by prayer. And there's something about prayer that's just challenging for us, uh, I think, as Christians today, and I think for Christians at all times. But it's a high calling that the Lord's placed on our lives, and it is an immense privilege that he's given us to talk to God as our Almighty Father who loves us and cares us and actually hears us when we pray. And to help us with that, we've invited on a dear friend, Dr. Bill Thrasher, to come and join us in studio in just a moment. Uh, You're going to love meeting Bill. I got to tell you, he is a devoted man of God. He's the real deal, a man of prayer. Every time I'm with Bill, I want to pray better. I want to pray more, and he helps me do that. Uh, Just a couple things you need to know about Bill. He's the author of uh, numerous books, including a recent book called How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life. Uh, He has taught at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago and the seminary at Moody for over 40 years. So get this, if you're a student in high school or middle school listening today, you're going to get something that you'd normally have to pay big money for and go to like seminary to get to listen to Bill uh, teach us on prayer. So you're not going to want to miss this episode. Stay with us. Well, Bill, welcome to the program. It's a delight to be with you. So good to see you. Thank you so much. Bill, I heard so much about you for so many years from so many of your former students. Uh, and one of them, I remember he was just posting, he was taking one of your classes at Moody, and he was a youth pastor here in Chicago. And it was like every week I could tell when he was in your class because he was posting some gold nugget from this uh, guy named Bill Thrasher. And I kept thinking, one, he's kind of obsessed with this professor. But two, as I kept reading the quotes, I'm like, that's pretty good content. Who is this guy? And then one day you showed up at our small group, and we got to be in a small group for years. So what a joy to have you on the show today. It's a joy to be with you. And we so appreciate what God is doing in and for you and through you there. It's a great to also know your parents. They've been uh, wonderful friends to my wife and I. Well, they're good people. And uh, one thing I've told people is, man, every time I'm around Bill, he just makes me want to pray more and pray better and encourages me to do that, not just makes me feel like I should, but actually helps me. So we're just so encouraged that you'll be here with this show today to talk to our students and young people mm. around the country mm. who are on the front lines sharing Christ in some hard mm. places of the Amen. country Amen. about how they can become men and women of prayer. Amen. But I want to just hear your story first. I mean, you've been a, a long-standing professor at Moody Bible Seminary, Moody Bible Institute for over 40 years now. Yeah, I'm in my 44th year. And you know, uh, that's if my path to there is sort of an unlikely path, uh, you know, it was, um, uh, I was converted, um, at a Billy Graham crusade, grew up in a denominational church. The gospel wasn't clear. 
eternal life was sort of just a wish, but I didn't know how you could ever know that for sure. But uh, Billy Graham came to the local football stadium um, in Montgomery, Alabama, where I was born and raised. Um, I learned he came there by presidential order. No uh, kidding. L- Lyndon Johnson called him up saying, look, your gospel is the only thing that can do anything for that racial crisis there. So he canceled a European vacation, came there and had a nine-day crusade. The um, And I was converted uh, and heard the gospel clearly. And That's got to uh, feel good, Bill, knowing that God wanted you saved enough that he had a president issue a yeah, proclamation that, just that, to get that, you that, in the that door. That was wonderful. <laughs> I don't know where. <laughs> that was very, very encouraging that uh, I got the gospel that night. But, you know. Um, and I read the Bible each day after that. You know what I could have used? I could have used Decision Point in my life. I didn't have it. I know it didn't exist. But um, I did not significantly grow um, in the years of junior high and high school. I went off to—actually, I joined the Air Force Reserve right out of high school for six months active duty. I'm not sure why I did that. It was good for me. I'd graduated first in my class, and so I know I wanted to go to college. But I had that six months active duty and then went to Auburn University, sort of planning my own life, not really knowing there was another way to live, not trying to live in active rebellion to God. Uh, I, I I knew I was saved. I knew I was being blessed of God, but I was just an Outwardly, I was successful, um, and even in my freshman year, everything seemed to go well, you know, outwardly. But inwardly, I was a wreck. I was full of fear and anxiety. I knew that what I wasn't living the way God wanted me to live. And then in the, I'd pledged the social fraternity that my brother had pledged. It was a good social fraternity. We're talking about a state university, Auburn University is where I went, and wandered into the room of a fraternity brother one day. Didn't ask him a question, but he began. He was an unusual guy. He had pledged that fraternity to lead people to Christ. No kidding. If you know anything about social fraternities on secular campuses, that's not usually why people join them. Um, but he was the real thing. I didn't ask him a question. He began sharing with me. He had made the wonderful discovery of the spirit-filled life. And I hung on every word. Um, I walked out of there saying, you know, there's a resource I don't know anything about. Um, I said the Apostles' Creed every Sunday in my denominational church. I believed in the Holy Ghost, but I didn't know anything about it. But I walked away said, there is some possibility of the Christian life that I don't know anything about. Wow. There's a resource. And ended up rooming with him for a year. And so he introduced me there in college what your students have an opportunity to experience in their junior high or high school years. You know, I had somebody who— discipled me. I lived with, was able to ask their questions. I had somebody who introduced me to the spiritual disciplines. Actually, I saw him doing it. That's what my introduction to prayer, I said, wow, I saw him live a life of prayer. I said, I guess that's what a Christian's supposed to do. I guess he knows more about it than I do. I guess you're supposed to brush your teeth every day. I guess you're supposed to pray. <laughs> and and so also, he also introduced me to the idea, okay, God has saved you. You have a purpose and a ministry. And so from the get-go, introduced me to trying to have an impact upon others and, and witnessing. And so your students uh, do not have to go through the void I went through. Uh, and I thank God for my heritage. I thank God. But, you know, from 13 to 19, there was not significant growth. And, um, and so I'm just excited beyond belief of what potentially can be happening um, in these students' lives. And I thank God for so much for the individuals and the staff that to seek to pour into them. I think it's a very, very significant thing that God is doing. Well, we really appreciate you being here to encourage students. As I know, students around the country are going to really learn a lot from you today. Uh, you pray for this ministry and for students in this ministry just on a regular basis. 
I'd love for you to share just your heart. Why are you so passionate to pray for the students who are even listening to the show today? Yes, and it's exciting. I think it just makes it a, um, a little more personally connected with them. I do pray regularly for this ministry. Uh, as I pray, uh, I pray around the world, and I, I pray also as I pray for schools. I, I pray for you know, I know that these younger ones are not who you're directly involved with, but I do pray for for preschools and for kindergarten and for, uh, of course, I have you have children, grandchildren that are even that young. We both have a, I have a four year old grandson and you have a four year old son that were born almost within days of each other. But I, I pray for them that, that you know that they would not be scarred. The devil hates children. Um, I remember hearing a next Satanist who said uh, they have explicit strategy to infiltrate the child care movement. They feel like their strategy is if I can scar them while they're young, we've got them most of their life. And so um, uh, I pray for uh, kindergartens and elementary schools. But when I begin to pray for junior high and high schools, that's when I think of decision point. Mm. And I pray that God would thrust labors in the harvest field. It's been exciting and thrilling to see the ministry grow. And they kid me about my Southern accent when I say this ministry needs to spread like wildfire. <laughs> and it really does. It really does. Yeah. I beg God for yeah. that, wow. that he would He would do that. So I do pray that God for, that, for the high schools and, mm. and, and junior high students around the world. I praise God for the States it's already spread to now. I'm, it's God's great mercy that's brought it here to Illinois, started in California, two of the needier states. But it, it's, see it grow has been, been a great I also pray for colleges because I pray for my alma mater, Auburn University, and there was a mm. recent revival there, and I'm going to go back there. I try to go back there if I possibly can every year just to encourage the work of God wow. there. So, But I, you're doing something in junior high and high schools uh, that I know in my own junior high and high school wasn't happening. And so I'm thrilled. I think a parent, uh, I think if they could say, I'll give any amount of money in the world if I send my uh, student to a public school, that decision point could be there. That would be the greatest investment they could make. Mm. And I can't see them not feeling that deeply. Uh, And so thank God for those precious students and staff that seek to encourage those students. And I praise God as I've been to the banquets and see their 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 testimonies. It just it just floors me the, the boldness that God gives them um, in those areas of years where you're so socially conscious and, and need acceptance and peers mean so much, but how somehow they're able to rise above that and um, and and share with freedom and boldness and the ministries that are happening. So they need our prayers. And, Amen. Uh, Amen. Well, and God wants them to become people of prayer. Yes. So we're talking to students on the show that God is calling us to be a generation of young leaders who are standing for Christ, mm-hmm. living for Christ, witnessing for Christ, and Amen. enduring hardship for his name because Amen. he's worth it. Yes. And of course, when we think about this, we know we can do nothing unless we abide in him, right? in the word and in prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we think about prayer, you know, probably if you were to survey most Christians in America of like, what are two areas of your Christian life that you feel like you need the most growth in? Mm. Probably most people are going to put evangelism and prayer right at the top of that list. I, I think that's exactly right. Why? Why do you think prayer can be such a challenge for young people and and just for Christians in general? Yes, and certainly not just for young people. I think it's, um, you know, I think sometimes we forget uh, where it all started. You know, it all started when you become a Christian. You have to come to the point that Lord, well, in the words of Romans. It's when your mouth is shut. I have no righteousness of my own. Mm. Whatever God does to show you your complete, absolute need that I have to pin 
absolutely 100% on Christ and what he's done. Um, that's the gospel. Hmm. Um, his work is sufficient. Uh, it is finished, paid in full. And so I look to him totally. Now, Scripture says, as he's talking to the Colossian Christians, he says, as you as you received him, so walk in him. Sometimes we forget that's where it started. You know, when Lord rebukes the church at Ephesus um, for leaving their first love, he tells them to remember from where you started. Remember, that's the foundation. You had to look to Jesus for everything. Repent. What's gotten in the way? And repeat. Do the things you did at first. Okay, he says, so at this moment, at this moment, at any moment, but I'm talking about this present moment, um, for anyone listening to us or for us, just as you looked at Jesus and he was totally sufficient for your salvation, at this moment he's sufficient for every emotional, physical, spiritual need in your life. And that is what you, you quoted, that apart from him we can do nothing. Uh, unless the Lord bells house, we labor in vain. So uh, I'm not supposed to be adequate. I'm not adequate. And God doesn't rebuke me for not being adequate. He rebukes me for my self-sufficiency. That's what's nauseating to God in the, mm. the way he rebukes the church of Laodicea. Because you say I'm rich, I become rich, I have need of nothing. That's what, that's what he says I'd like to spew you out of my mouth. So I think we forget the, our posture that we look to the Lord for everything, no matter how big, how small. Amen. And we're going to talk about that. I know later you got a lot of encouraging words about how we can allow the challenges in our lives, the maybe the anxieties in our lives, and even mm-hmm. the temptations right. in our lives to actually oh, fuel prayer. Absolutely. Um, and you wrote a book recently, How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life, that I think, I mean, the president of Moody asked you to write, didn't he? Yes. Uh, and we're going to come to that in a minute. But I mean, I w- just want to first have you talk to a student today. I mean, what would you say to a student who maybe... Uh, they pray, but maybe they haven't yet developed a prayer life even in the first place. I mean, what, mm. what kind of encouragement or even advice would you offer to a 14-year-old, 16-year-old student who might be listening today and they say, I, I don't know, I've, I don't know if I've even actually had a prayer life in the sure. first place. Well, you know, when you think about the heritage of the Christian life, how you look to Christ and look to him alone, um, I like C.S. Lewis who said, the prayer that precedes all prayers is this, let it be the real I who speak, let it be the real thou I speak to. So you see, there's a lot of bad habits we can get in prayer. You know, if I have fear in my life, and I'm not talking to God about that fear, I'm not praying. There's a difference in being involved in the activity of prayer and in sharing my heart with God. You know, if I have anger in my heart, all of us, it's not a sin to be tempted. We have anger in our heart. I need to trust Jesus to put his healing hand upon that hurt. Uh, you can talk to God about that. So the, uh, so I'd certainly say, let, and it's God's spirit that helps us get in touch with our need. Um, but also, I would just say the simple context of meditation. Now, meditation is not something that he promises to bless that like no other discipline you see in Psalm 1, Joshua 1. Um, but the promises that are connected with that, what is meditation? Is it something just a certain kind of person can do? Is it certain certain kind of personality? No, not at all. It's the lifeline of every believer. Uh, meditation is just simply talking to God about his word with the desire that your life come into agreement with it. So if a person just is getting off to first base and there's nothing wrong with that, um, I grew up a very uninformed Christian, and it was just so helpful to me when I was in college. I would go up to people uh, sometimes because I didn't even understand the terms they were talking about. And when I talked to him, you'd find somebody that was, you know, not quite as threatening. Say, what does he mean by that? <laughs> I'm, I remember asking him, "What do you mean when you say God is sovereign?" You know, I, right. but I discovered as I talked about, some people didn't understand a lot better than I did. They just felt comfortable they using just the words. Bluffing, right? Yeah, <laughs> but anyhow, I st- 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 
take one psalm a day if that's a start and just talk to God about yeah. that psalm. Talk to God about it. Anytime you have a command, uh, delight yourself in the Lord. Meditate, talking to God about his word. Okay, Lord, would you build in me a delight in you? Would you show me how much you delight in me? God doesn't forget uh, when he says, okay, okay. Uh, uh, be filled with the Spirit. Okay, God, you've commanded me to be filled with the Spirit. Lord, I'm not, I know that's your will. I'm not willing, would you show, I'm not willing not to live without that. Would you show me in this particular challenging of circumstance in my life, this particular challenging responsibility, God, would you show me how to walk by your Spirit in that? God honors that. I, I think I lay scriptures before him. He doesn't forget them. You can lay them in his throne of grace. Not everything is instantly answered, but he works mm. uh, in response to that. So meditation upon scripture, just talking to God about his word, that is the fuel of your prayer life. So that's a good place to start. That's start great. with your needs, start with God's word. <clears throat> and boy, we got a lot of needs. And we talked even recently on the show about being people who are fed daily by God's word. So what Amen. a great reminder to just, as we're in the Word, to just pray it back to the Lord Amen. and let that fuel our prayers. Okay, and then what would you say, I mean, you, you've got this great book, How to Resurrect a Dead uh, Prayer Life. Um, I guess, what would, how would somebody know that maybe their prayer life needs some resurrecting? Yes, well, and you know, and I, the title of that book is, is not demeaning anybody. I really was talking about my own experience. After rooming with that uh, college uh, roommate, and God igniting me and, and really developing the discipline of prayer. As I was wanting to go right into ministry, God overruled that and put me into uh, years of training, which I needed, and that was God's will for me. I had a prayer uh, meeting in my room every night in the dorm room. Um, and so that was a, a long uh, road of, uh, it was six years of training in regard to the master's and doctoral program. And then I came to Moody and you know, but as you're around the Christian church, people say, pray for this, pray for this, pray for this. I tried to pray for it all. And uh, and really, I discovered that I was just drowning in the activity of prayer. And I remember one morning saying, you know, God, I'm not sure I really expect anything to happen. Mm. And I said, I think the greatest gift you could give me is just take this burden off my back. And so um, now... My prayer life had died in the sense that I had lost a sense of expectancy. So I said, God, I've got to go back to ground zero. Here's what I hear about prayer. Two things. I hear them loud and clear. One, it's very, very, very important. Well, I bought into that. Number two, you need to discipline yourself to do it. I bought into that. Now, quite frankly, everything else is theoretical if you don't buy into those two things. But there's more to it than what? It's important, and you need to discipline yourself to do it. Dale Moody, the founder of the school I teach at, he said, I'd rather teach one person to pray than 10 people to preach. And he was the greatest preacher of his day. And so... Um, why is, is that? Why, why would you rather one person I, train to pray than to preach? Well, I think he sees God, how God works. When God wants to do something, God puts a prayer burden on somebody's heart. Mm. That person prays in response to that prayer burden, and the work of God is set in motion. I mean, D.L. Moody, uh, he came to you know, Chicago to make money. God converted him. Uh, and as God converted him, he had a burden to train people. We know one day he was just felt constrained by God to kneel on the property there in Chicago. I say, God, give me this land for my school. Well, Moody is not the biggest school in Chicago. I assure you that, but his biggest landowner, you know, so I, th I think that we owe so much to God works through prayer. He knew God worked through prayer in his own life. Um, this was in a in a book on spiritual leadership that a person Moody. This is amazing to me that um, he discovered 
He said, you know, God, nothing new is traveling through my soul. Nothing new. Uh, and he had made radical changes. He felt like he was on a treadmill doing all this. And, um, and so he set aside, I hate to say the time, but it was just hours of time. It was six hours. And just to, to I've got to feed my soul. That's what sustained him in that 40 years of ministry. I'm not saying to anybody that you or me or anybody else need to have a certain amount of time, but I am saying he saw the essential of what? It was God's hand upon him that made possible yeah. that i mean that mere words can change somebody's life how how i mean it's it's foolishness even for a student to come up and saying hey this person that lived many many years ago and their death is and your response to their death and resurrection is going to what affect you for all eternity i mean that that it doesn't it's it's true it's true as the law of gravity but it takes god to open our eyes to right. see that so i think we're dependent upon god but god can take our feeble words um and lodge them in people's hearts and change lives. I, we used to have our some of our staff and part-time staff, uh, probably still do, read uh, R.A. Torrey's sermon that he gave, I think, at Moody's memorial service wow. about the secrets of Moody's life. Wow. And, of course, one of them, if not the final one, is that he believed definitely that power comes from God yes. and he gives it to whom he wills. And wow. Just that sense of, man— if anything good's going to happen in my life, <laughs> it's yeah. going to be God. Amen. So we better be about asking him for what only he can do, right? And, and that's why we so appreciate the people that pray for us. I send out prayer mails, emails every uh, every month, and, and I, I need them. I, I wrote prayer letters when I was a college student. I didn't have to raise support. but I, 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 So anyhow, we appreciate the people that pray for us and pray for this ministry. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to ask Bill, how can we uh, have the Spirit's power in our life to actually help us become the people who pray like we should? So we'll be right back. Are you wanting to make an impact for Jesus? Grow in your faith? I encourage you, join students around the nation that are taking the Decision Point's five gospel challenges. What are the five gospel challenges? Pray five, go witness, give God's word, teach God's word, and lead an outreach week. Today, I wanna to invite you to take the five gospel challenges and maybe just start with pray five. What is pray five? This challenge is simple. Pray faithfully for five unbelievers every day for five weeks. What are you going to pray for? Pray specifically that God would open their hearts to come to know Christ. And pray for boldness that when God opens a door, you will courageously share the hope that you have in Christ. In Colossians chapter 4, Paul asks the Colossians to pray for an open door that he might speak the gospel clearly. So we too need to pray for an open door with our peers that we may have boldness to speak the gospel. Want to hear about a student that took the Pray 5 challenge? Ellie from Chicago decided to pray faithfully for her friend to come to know Jesus. And that's exactly what happened. Her friend was struggling in school, struggling with her parents' recent divorce, and she was wondering, what's the point of it all? But it was through Ellie's diligence to pray and initiate gospel conversation that she saw her friend actually receive Jesus as her Lord and Savior. Other students across the nation are taking the Pray 5 challenge, like Ali from San Diego, who didn't just pray for a friend. In his words, he prayed for an enemy or someone he didn't get along with, but he saw God miraculously move in that person's life. 
So I wanna encourage you, take the Pray 5 challenge today. You can go to decisionpoint.org slash gospel challenges to learn more. God does amazing work in our hearts when we pray. And we know when you're faithful to give it to the Lord and ask boldly, we can leave the results up to God. So go to decisionpoint.org slash gospel challenges to take Pray 5 today. Hey, well, welcome back. Well, Bill, uh, we'd love to hear you share with us today. We've talked about the Spirit, and we've talked about praying, mm. even in the Spirit. Mm. How can we as people today just depend on the Spirit and, and have His help to help us pray as He would have us pray? You know, I think you, you, you come out ahead when you start out saying, just confess this. Lord, and I'll say it about myself because it's very unflattering, but I think it's true of all of us. Confess, Lord, in and of myself, I don't really care about anybody but me. You know, <laughs> I, 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 that what's in it for me really covers everything. You know, I can't produce Christ-like compassion. I can't produce Christ-like fervency. And, um, but, yet, but yet you expect it. You rebuke people, say, these yeah. people honor me with their lips. Their heart is far from me. Uh, there's no one who, prophet Isaiah, there's no one who arouses himself to take hold of God, so he expects that. So, um, but God's Spirit can do that. So you let the God's Spirit work in you and begin to see a need. You begin huh. to feel a need. You live with that. But you also admit your helplessness to do anything about it. Uh, and you cry out to God with that, with that, with that fervency and compassion that God is building in you. And you get out of the way. What I mean getting out of the way, you don't scheme. Um, now, God will show you. He won't make you irresponsible. He'll show you. But, but it's, it's, it's like it will be spirit-empowered initiative. Anything that's not a spirit-empowered initiative is a dead work. Mm -hmm. And so um, God can produce Christ-like fervency, Christ-like compassion. Um, don't, don't scheme. I, I think about the—we talk about God working in us. Um, the, the dear lady, she, she got saved, and her, when she married her husband, neither were saved. But when she got saved— she knew enough in Scripture. I wasn't supposed to nag and preach at my husband, so she said, okay, I won't do that. But she took books, put them all over her uh, house, turned to the exact page that she wanted her husband to read. It wasn't, <laughs> subtle, it, subtle. It wasn't very subtle. Yeah. And she said God had to convict her for scheming before he saved her husband. Wow. So don't, don't scheme, um, but cooperate with God as he asks you to. So we want to talk about the, the challenge side of that as well. You said, okay, yes. so we want to see a need. We want to recognize our helplessness to do anything about it. Mm. And then we talked earlier at the beginning how the, just the burdens that we can feel. I think, you know, anxiety has always been a challenge for people. I mean, Absolutely. it's all over the Bible to not fear, to right. don't be anxious. But I think among young people today, I mean, everything we hear is just anxiety is at an right. all-time high. Our students see the need, even on, with their peers on campus. They're they're holding outreach events to talk right. about anxiety directly. Right. Good. So it's such a Good. common experience. Amen. And and of course, God wants better for us. But how can that experience actually help us become better people of prayer? Well, you know, God commands us to be anxious for nothing. Now, if he stopped there, that, that only makes you more anxious. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> now, no, not, now, not only know I'm anxious, now I know I'm sinning, so that doesn't help me a whole lot. And I'm anxious whether I'm anxious. <laughs> so, yeah. so he says, but he says, okay, tell me what you, you want me to do about it. And so God says, okay, every time you're tempted to be anxious, it's God nudging you on the, tapping you on the shoulder saying, you need to talk to me. Talk to me. Mm. Pray. Uh, that's what he says in Philippians wow. 4, 6, and 7. Now, of course, now that's that. 
verse was written from a prison cell, not from a pulpit right. uh, originally. So, but he says, pray, talk to me. Sometimes you have to say, Lord, what is it I'm really anxious about? Sometimes you need other people praying with you. Uh, the plans that a man heart are like deep water. Man of understanding draws it out. Sometimes you have need close friends to say, would you show me what is it I'm really anxious about? And mm. and then God says, don't stop there. Make your request be made known to God. Tell me what you want me to do about it. Sometimes you'll never have peace unless you do that. But he says, don't stop there. So talk to God about it. Petition him what you want him to do about it. But then he says, let your petitions be made with thanksgiving. So you can pray about your problem. You can petition him about it. And you can get more wrapped up in the problem than in God. And so it's thanksgiving that lifts your heart to God. Thank you, Lord, that it's not your will that you I live with a burdened down with this. My, 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 I can't handle it. My, I'm, I'm weak. And sometimes we flatter ourselves. We can say, well, I can handle that. No, we can't. No matter how big it is, little it is. He says, cast all your cares upon him. I think this is a big way that people get to know God. It's also, as you read God's word, he can train us to show us how to cast certain cares upon him. Um, and that our faith can rest uh, on, on promises of God. When, when God does that, you can understand Peter's words. He says these precious and magnificent promises. They are precious wow. and magnificent when what? Uh, I think of, you know, in the early years, this comes to mind, early years of my Christian life, and I was just involved in ministry. That's why I so appreciate the ministry that tries to disciple these students and say, you know, you're not here to sit and soak um, but you're to have a ministry. God has a God has something for you, and um, that's many times the fault of the church. And I love the church, and we all love the church, and we praise God for that. But many times it's like you you just sit in the pew, and uh, the things that really and I, I said I've said this, and this is why I so appreciate this ministry. Uh, there's a very sophisticated study about what causes uh, a youth that walks with God in their youth to go on long range to walk with God. Right. And said three things. One, personal involvement in the spiritual disciplines, being discipled by somebody other than just their family. And thirdly, um, being involved in some ministry output. Get in the game. Get in the game. Yep. And so, you know, that's that's thrilling that that's what your ministry does. So I praise God for that. It's amazing when you see students and they're, they're seeing right before their eyes people come to know the Lord. Yeah. I, I just heard a student this summer share about an outreach he had. And God, you know, you, if you would have heard the, seen the pictures and seen the, uh, the reports on how many came and how many indicated a decision for Christ that day, wow. you'd think, what a great outreach, right? He probably did on that day, but I said a couple of days after, he just started feeling discouraged. Like, okay, Lord, did anybody actually have their lives changed? And then, right. He said he's in the restroom a couple of days later, and these guys come in to have their quick vape session in the bathroom, yeah. like they do. Sure. And one of the students. Is actually mm. wearing the shirt he got at his outreach. Wow! And turned to his group and says, "No, I don't do that anymore." Wow! And then the students leave, and it's now just our, the student leader and this guy who just turned down wow. the vape. And he he turns to the wow. student who led the outreach and said, "Hey, would you help me destroy my vape device?" Wow! <laughs> what do you wow. mean? He's like, wow. he's like all I know is wow. that's your outreach. Well, that's I want really... what you got. Oh my! And you think, what a joy to see oh, God wow. work through you. Wow. And you know, for also, something like that, you know, that's wonderful. And and I, and I would say, you know, uh, to that dear one who was discouraged afterwards, it's not a sin to be tempted. And uh, uh, you know, in the in another prayer book, I wrote a journey to victorious praying. Um, 
Elizabeth Elliot yep. wrote a uh, in the first edition wrote a, a kind endorsement. And here's the way she, Elizabeth Elliot, you know the 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 wife of Jim Elliot, the one who was martyred down there, and uh, about as godliest woman as you can think about. Um, uh, I've heard her tell her story many times. Here she's has baby Valerie, and and she learns about her husband being martyred. Mm. And I remember as her tell that story. Her first thought is, Oh God. How can I reach those Aka Indians? No kidding. I would say, oh my goodness, I, I just wept when I heard that. The last time I heard it, I heard it more than once. But when she came to Moody and Live and told, told that, because I said, I wonder if I even know Christianity, you know? Wow. I would have thought she'd say, okay, how can I raise this baby by myself and all this stuff? But she knew the driving force of her husband was to reach those, and she wanted to do it. Well, anyhow, here's how she just, this was her endorsement. She says, as a born worrywart like my father, who was a very godly man, um, I've had to learn, I agree with Dr. Thrasher, I've had to learn to, to cast my anxiety upon God. Um, in kindness, he trains us how to do that. So you see, it's not a sin to be tempted. Here's a lady that probably one of the godliest ladies any of us have ever known. Um, and yet she said what? It's nothing wrong to show us it's Christ that's her strength. And so I think more of that student, not less of that student. That's right. Well, when I see him, he was attacked after God doing a great work. And I praise God that God came to him with that encouraging news. You know, 100%. And uh, I was encouraged as you were talking about temptations before that mm. how these can be springboards for prayer. Mm. Amen. And I mean, Amen. temptations is common to everybody. Yes, Certainly it is. Temptation is common to all young people. Right. Help, help us understand that. So we feel tempted by whatever it may be. Yes. How do we let that be a springboard oh. to pray and, and, and fight back at the devil who's tempting us so bad and, in the first place? You know, and if I, there could be one thing that I just beg that the person listening to this could digest is this. Um, when you are tempted, uh, your temptations... Age, what makes a temptation temptation? It appeals to a legitimate need in your life to meet in a wrong way. Mm-hmm. And so you can talk to God about that legitimate need. Say, Lord, you know, you won't get in problem walking in the light. Walk open and honest and transparent before God with your temptation. Come boldly to the throne of grace. I remember this was before class started one day, and um, the student was saying he was struggling with an ungodly habit. And he was asking God to deliver from that ungodly habit, but he still had that ungodly habit. And, and a discerning, loving man of God to him, he says, why? Why are you asking God to deliver you from that ungodly habit? You love that ungodly habit. You don't really want God to answer that prayer, do you? He said that was the absolute truth. And so he said he came to God in humility, and he said, Lord, I'm ashamed of this, but Lord, truth matters. I love this ungodly habit. But he brought it in the light before God. He also told me that was the beginning of breaking that ungodly habit. So bring it in the light before God. I'll tell you another thing, uh, and I would like a person listening to this, uh, to think about your most persistent temptation. Uh, like I said, not a sin to be tempted. And write it down. And then say, God, I want you to give me a prayer request, a prayer burden, that every time I'm tempted in this way, and I will be tempted, I'm tempted often, um, I, I want you to give me a prayer request, a prayer burden, that I'm going to take the, this temptation as a reminder to pray this. Um, and let that let that prayer request be a be a prayer request if God answers will damage Satan's kingdom. That helps me multiple times literally every day of my life, day and night. You know, so you take your temptation and, you know, to, to draw you away from God, but you use it as a motivation to pray a strategic prayer. You know, start out if you have to be just with a prayer partner. Say, look, when I'm tempted, I'm going to pray for you. When you're tempted, you pray for me. Think of every time you're tempted um, to have a uh, an impure thought. You prayed for the purity of what? Your, 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 fellow, your fellow workers, your spiritual leader, maybe the one who's discipling you or the ones you're discipling. Think of every time you're tempted to be 
be discouraged. You prayed for the encouragement uh, of others. That So uh, God uses your weakness. See, if you and I devise prayer, we'd pray from our pride. You know, Lord, I've got it together now. Lord, I would like you to whip everybody else in shape. <laughs> but, you know, that that's, that's not prayer. Prayer, you pray from your weakness. And I just know in my weakness and my temptation, I can pray with compassion for people in ways I didn't even think I could fully identify with them. Bill, we're so encouraged by your example and your prayers for our mission, for our students, for our family. Um, I'd love to ask you as we're closing, how does God work through prayer and even the prayers that students would be praying today? When we're encouraging students, pray bold prayers for your campus. Pray in faith. Ask God to bring a revival at your school today and throughout your city and around the country. Amen. Just encourage us and inspire students today. How could God affect generations that aren't even born through the prayers that they pray today? Well, you know, uh, when our Lord walked this earth, uh, God in the flesh, and he looked at the, the multitudes and uh, we, we felt compassion for them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. And the compassion that we feel for the students and schools. And um, Now, he could have said anything at that point, but here's what he chose to say, because he knew how heaven worked. He turned to his disciples and he says, look, the harvest is plentiful. The labors are few. And so he sought to put a prayer burden on their heart. And he said, what do you do with that prayer burden? Pray that God would send labors in the harvest. That's how God works. When God wants to do something, he puts a prayer burden on someone's heart. That person prays in response to that prayer burden, and the work of God is set in motion. Um, Campus Crusade for Christ was a ministry now called Crew that was used in my life in college. Um, uh, Bill Bright's with the Lord now, but he used to tell the story about he was studying for a Hebrew exam uh, when he was a student in seminary, and that's where God laid on his heart this ministry that would reach college students all over the world. And he went to one of his professors. He says, yes, I'll tell you what you can call it. Call it Campus Crusade for Christ. You know, so never underestimate what God can put on your heart. I mentioned T.L. Moody being drawn to his knees saying, God, give me this land for my school. And we see it. And I, I see the ministry that touched my life. And so Bill, Bill Bright also said this. He says, if all you desire is the glory of God and the well-being of others, it's impossible to ask God for too much. Wow. Uh, well, I think a lot of our life, God's working in our life. That that's really what we want. <laughs> right. I'm not trying to build my kingdom. I want your kingdom. But God, I pray that God would put great God-sized prayers on these students' hearts and believe him for that. Uh, you don't have to be adequate. None of us are. Paul says he wasn't. Um, but you can believe him. Amen. Above and beyond. Amen. Well, Bill, we've asked you, um, I think we got, you've got two different gifts for young people today. Uh, you got some books we can give away, don't you? Well, I do. I do. I you sure Tell do. us about those books, would you? Well, I've, I've got a few copies of my newest book, How to Resurrect a Dead Prayer Life. And um, this uh, shares a little bit about my own pilgrimage, my own conversion, and, and also it's designed to help a person understand how the Spirit of God motivates and guides and empowers a prayer life. You see, prayer is not just something that a human experience. It's not just something you have to drum up. It's something that God wants to do. Just as we're to walk by the Spirit um, and to be filled with the Spirit, don't grieve the Spirit, don't quench the Spirit, you also have the command to pray in the Spirit. God's given you a personal 
the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He's God, and he lives in you by the Spirit if you know Jesus, and he wants to help you with your prayer life. And so that's what this book is designed to do. And uh, All right. Well, we're going to have you sign that. We'll share right after the break how students can actually win a copy of that book. So thanks so much for that. And then I think just their final gift, we'd love to ask you, would you just pray? It would be and my, pray my, for every student who's listening. My delight. My delight. Lord, I thank you for these mm. precious students. Uh, wherever they are, they are far ahead of where I was when I were their age. And so, God, I ask you to answer the deepest petitions of their heart. God, I pray that you would guide them in taking their temptations and turn them into conversations with you. Even give them strategic prayers to pray, Almighty God, in interceding for others, Lord Jesus. We, we thank you for them, Lord. Uh, I pray you would move in their life to confess and forsake any known sin and any doubtful habit. And Lord, I pray that they would learn to obey the first prompting of your spirit in their private life and acknowledge you in their public life. Oh God, I pray that you would do a fresh work and revive their hearts. And we pray for the things that they have on their heart. We join them, Lord Jesus, in believing you. Uh, Father, continue to addict them to the joy of prayer and the study of your word. God, continue to send into their life everything they need, dear God, uh, to grow and to mature. And Father, the good works that you've preordained for them to walk in. We think of the Apostle Paul. He said, I want to lay hold of that which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Lord, you have laid hold of these and saved them. And I pray your highest desires would be accomplished. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Even the deepest petitions of their heart that they may not even fully know how to articulate, we pray you would answer. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wasn't that just so great to have Bill with us in studio? I tell you, what a great encouragement uh, to know that uh, Bill and, and so many people like him are praying for us at Decision Point, for students uh, like, like you listening today. Uh, and for God to bring an awakening to this generation. Hey, listen, if you haven't bought a copy of his book, you're going to want to do that. But also, I want to let you know, we've got a chance for four of you to win a free and actually get this signed copy of Bill's book. Uh, he sat down in my office right after he had to leave our studio and personally signed four copies of of his book for you. So here's what you got to do if you want to win a copy of Bill's book. We're going to have a little fun. We want your help spreading the word. So here's the deal. I need you to share this episode on your social media, whatever social media you use or all the social media you use, and just share one thing that impacted you from Bill's message. And then I need you to send me a screenshot of that uh, to podcast at decisionpoint.org. Podcast at decisionpoint.org. Screenshot of you sharing today's episode along with one thing that you learned, and you'll be eligible to win a free signed copy of Bill's book. You're not going to want to miss this book. Check it out, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.